Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast. Today, the latest in our uh, weekly update series, and I'm joined by co-host Tom Meehan and Tony D'Onofrio and our producer Diego Rodriguez. And uh, we're going to kind of go around the world again, looking at uh, opportunities, looking at threats, looking at upcoming issues. And um, I'll start off by talking about a little bit of debrief or download on uh, having spent the last two weeks on the road to a certain extent uh, at, I've mentioned before, at the International Council of Shopping Centers, the ICSC had their annual uh, security summit uh, for their uh, VPs and directors of security from uh, the major and regional malls and shopping center owner operators. And just fantastic uh, content um, with the FBI involved in uh, working through some very interesting case studies, uh, active assailant, in this case, active shooter case studies, breaking them down. Uh, We're in talks with the same group for uh, featuring some of this information. It'll be updated and and a little more expansive at uh, uh, an LPRC impact uh, and or violent crime summit. Um, We also, there was some great content on sort of homeless and the harm, but how how uh, managers and uh, security manager in this case, working with local law enforcement, looking working with the local community, what they're starting to do and what they're seeing uh, with the homeless situation uh, in malls. And uh, again, a hot topic for us, something we're working on as well. So we're gonna be combining a lot with ICSC. We're in talks and we're gonna be doing a home and home uh, their team will be coming here to Gainesville to our labs and doing some brainstorming and may go beyond that. So um, there was also other good content on training. Um, and then our team went up uh, Peter Chi, uh, vice president of asset protection at Bloomingdale's. Uh, and then we all we also had Chris, from, who's the VP there at uh, off Saks, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue. So um, so we had a we went through and laid out some of the issues that have been emerging, uh, describing them, showing video clips that uh, Peter had pulled together and uh, with de- demonstrating everything from active assailants and other attackers, uh, sort of gang fights that lead to violence and, and killing um, what's going on, of course, with some of the COVID-19. The, but the increased uh, aggression uh, in the parking lots, in the major mall areas, the central points or the common areas, the general areas, uh, as well as in in the stores and um, what all the opportunities are to work together uh, on these as well as uh, regular ongoing shoplifting boosters and how do we work with malls some have security uh, some have uh, l- lower level trained people some have medium some have very highly trained security teams or at least people on their teams uh, vehicles and others uh, so there's a range but how do we accommodate and work with each other in a better way to support each other have common radio frequencies more regular and very purposeful intel and tactics and training meetings uh, also with law enforcement partners. So it was partnership, partnership, partnership by understanding the issues on both sides too. What what are barriers to sharing, barriers to uh, having mall security support and vice versa? You know, what there are certain concerns and, and things like that. So uh, that it was really productive session. We were excited to be invited and participate with such a stellar group. Uh, we've already added uh, a major, major uh, mall owner operator, uh, Brookfield Properties, to LPRC membership as a result of that meeting. 
um, and we look forward because of some discussions we're having with some others to the same thing as well as um, ICSC discussions. So great, great uh, engagement and well worth uh, everybody's time, I think, in Washington, D.C. Last week, uh, Charlotte, uh, the LP Magazine, uh, LP Foundation, RELA, uh, their ALPC, uh, I'm probably saying that wrong, but um, they that group, those groups, of course, meet annually. I've been going to that for probably uh, close to 20 years now. That event, fantastic. Uh, of course, originally scheduled to be in Sanibel Island. Uh, and as most everybody knows, that part of Florida has been heavily, heavily destroyed. Um, and so uh, that certainly wasn't possible. They're hopeful to maybe hold that event there next year uh, in the same venue. It's just going to depend on the infrastructure the, and a hundred other variables, um, you know, really almost over a quarter million, uh, almost a half between a quarter and half million uh, Floridians vehicles were damaged, heavily damaged to destroyed during the storm on top of the roadways, the infrastructure, you know, sewage, electricity, power, reliable. There's a lot of fixes temporarily in and everything. So it'll be complex. But at the meeting, uh, a good turnout, it seemed like in Charlotte, a little easier and probably even a, a bigger turnout, I understand, because it's just easier to get to and and easier to explain, I guess, to the to the more senior people in the organization that you're going to Charlotte for a meeting rather than to, um, you know, Sanibel Island or something like that is what I heard. So just fantastic sharing uh, by the solution partners, the retailers, the number ones. Uh, a lot of the number ones went on uh, store tours. Um, some did not, but we all were. I think got a lot of good interaction, meet new people, re-engage with people that we've known um, and so forth, some good content and information and um, and just a, a great event in that way. A lot of good sharing. So uh, just excited to partner with the LP Magazine and with LP Foundation uh, like we do here at the LPRC. And uh, we look forward to more of that. We have a monthly call, a planning call with the foundation and the magazine, um, our team to look at joint opportunities and activities, ways to support uh, our research, supporting um, the training modules, the certifications, are there certificates and other things that we can <clears throat> generate uh, to support what they're trying to do. So good good meetings, good outcomes, I think, and a good support for this industry. Uh, and, and I think it was acknowledged uh, over and over for, with good reason, all the contributions by D Jack Talicia, um, and by Jim Lee, uh, the founders, two of the founders of LP Magazine. Uh, and the magazine, it's my understanding, was founded about a year, year and a half after LPRC. This was kind of a pivotal time in 2000, 2001, 2002, 3 timeframe for a research council, for a magazine, a professional, well-done magazine. And then uh, a couple, three years later, an actual foundation to establish some kind of regular training, recognized certifications at the LPQ and LPC level. So, uh, you know, just a lot of people that were visionary, worked very, very hard against those that were readily accepting, those that wanted to see, and those that were very skeptical. Um, and here we are. And I think that this combination has just been powerful in, in taking the retail segment of protecting people in places, this, our vertical to really unprecedented heights and continues to do that. And by all of us working together, coordinating, um, it's amazing what has and will be accomplished. Um, so we're, we're now uh, pivoting 
uh, to uh, some of our events. Again, uh, those that are involved in LPRC or know a lot about us know that we uh, have six events for our members and to a certain extent, sometimes others. But uh, our calendar year starts off with LPRC kickoff uh, this year, January 18th uh, in New York City uh, at Bloomingdale's flagship store. Uh, the day following uh, NRF Big Show, the big global retailing conference there. And we'll be at the big show um, and are excited to partner with NRF as well on uh, the research on the National Retail Security Survey, uh, on a, an organized retail crime survey, continuing to enhance and expand those, collect more data, combine those with, uh, with uh, another study that Dr. Lowe, Corey Lowe, our senior research scientist at LPRC has initiated and continues to grow ARCs, where we're getting data from individual locations, combining with these national surveys, uh, are just going to provide a wealth a wealth of decision-making information. Uh, so at kickoff, we'll be talking a little bit about that. Um, it's a planning uh, meeting. Uh, it, it used to be 20 or 30 people that were in New York City. They're based there or in town for the big show and uh, in the D&D uh, Downing uh, event. Uh, a sort of a social event with always a great speaker like, uh, you know, uh, Commissioner uh, Bratton and so forth. Um, so this year kickoff January 18th, uh, LPRC members will be there. Uh, there's a on if you go to our uh, LPRC uh, website, lpresearch.org, um, uh, members can go in there and can register and learn more about the events there. Um, and it's a capped capacity. I think we can hold about 100 of us in there. Uh, so it is first come, first serve. And we, we uh, are trying to, as always, have uh, sort of a one-to-one -one ratio of a retail executive and a, and a solution partner or two-to-one retailer. Um, it's for everybody's good, and that's what everybody wants. So uh, uh, Diego Rodriguez and Kim Rafir and others on our team will be um, helping us create that and keep that balance so that we have a very productive planning meeting, a lot of good engagement. Uh, we've got a cool uh, content outlay coming up, which we'll reveal later. Um, but to maintain that kind of healthy ratio for everybody, uh, they'll be kind of regulating that registration. Coming up February 21st and 22nd, um, in, in that time frame, we're going to have LPRC Ignite. That's a planning meeting as well for our board of advisors. Formerly, again, I've mentioned the winter planning meeting uh, this year. Uh, we're going to have the same board of advisors meeting. We now add LPRC's Innovate Advisory Panel. Um, 30 top retailers, their innovation people are on this advisory panel. They meet monthly. Uh, I know this has been mentioned before, uh, and with uh, now eight and soon to be growing uh, solution partners that are engage monthly to help us uh, create and execute an innovation roadmap. And again, innovation can be tactical innovations for improving uh, an anti-theft, fraud, or violence countermeasure uh, through uh, new countermeasures, through um, sophisticated integration of countermeasures uh, within a strategic uh, design and an operational design. So um, that group will be there, um, and uh, as well as uh, working group leaders uh, the co-leaders that we've got, uh, there are going to be some special invitations for those people that do such a great job um, in helping us plan critical events, uh, but help us make sure that we've got great roadmaps and uh, user experiences for all working group calls. Again, seven working groups that we've got, uh, supply chain protection, violent crime working group. We've got the product protection working group. We've got DOG, the data analytics working group. 
you know, we've got a retail fraud working group. Um, so we've got a whole uh, a whole host of working groups depending on what area somebody is working in, and, and as well as an innovation working group that's working also to support all of the working groups and the, the Innovate program. Um, so look for all those. The other summits that we've got coming up uh, will have Integrate, LPRC Integrate, which will be part of the Ignite experience in February in Gainesville at the uh, UF Innovate Hub and at the rights or other venues, depending on the size of the group that we're trying to get in there. That's a part of our strategy planning coming up this week. Um, and uh, But you'll see also that Integrate uh, Summit. I'm going to go through the, the, the use cases in more detail and up and coming. I've mentioned the first one will be anti-theft and what we're going to be doing to exercise Zone 5 uh, through online postings and, and looking at scrapers and crawlers and ways to uh, more quickly connect excuse me, collect and connect the dots for any uh, pending theft, fraud, or violence threat that we might have. Um, that's going to be coupled with now the two or three uh, red actors, the red guys, the red shoppers. Uh, these The offenders in this case uh, will be our team. A couple, three of them will then, not after posting, will be heading toward us and move through and exercise all of our sensors arrayed across the four square block area, of course, all the way up and through the simulated store environment and beyond as they make their journey to and from uh, to commit that crime or that harm, uh, you know, left at and right of bang or contact. So uh, we're excited to work on that at Integrate. That again, will be in February 21st and 22nd. This will be unprecedented uh, coupling and uh, integration of uh, sensors and uh, action tools across uh, all five zones in a way that's just never been done. It's not just designed to be a showcase or a demonstration, which it will be both. It's designed to start the ball rolling for us to improve at each point throughout the zones. Uh, that better earlier detection and understanding, better deterrence, better disruption, and of course, better documentation in an integrated way, better notifications to the right people at individual places and spaces, and at, say, the security operations center or EOC or command center level. Um, so this is going to be the beginning, uh, not the end. And uh, in doing that, we'll also be working on some of the category management so that we can better demonstrate and integrate and uh, improve across uh, in, inside the, the engagement lab, our simulated store environment. Uh, look for that in that mid-February timeframe. Uh, March 28th and 29th, we've got the Supply Chain Protection Summit. Uh, location or venue to be determined and announced soon. The Violent Crime Summit looks to be in Houston, Texas, uh, April 18th and 19th. Uh, more details to come there. Uh, both of those working groups are already uh, hard at work on those, as well as the Product Protection uh, Summit will be May 23rd and 24th, uh, probably online like we've done uh, with voting and, and uh, more and more innovative ways to look at uh, anti-theft um, devices and sensors throughout the five zones. Uh, it's really going to be a neat event uh, and, and continues to grow. Uh, and of course, our big one for us is uh, October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in Gainesville uh, on the University of Florida campus, and that's going to be LPRC Impact. Um, we're Now our big challenge is not getting, growing this event too large. Um, you know, we had over 400 executives in town, uh, and that's despite uh, Hurricane Ian bearing down on the state of Florida and even predicted to possibly head our way. So uh, we're 
we might have hit our limit. You know, we're not sure we can go uh, somewhere between four or five hundred is probably the physical limit unless we become more innovative how we break people up and move them around. So, uh, but that's October 2nd through 4th. So please put it in your planning and your budget and your travel schedule, uh, those events that we're very, very excited about. Um, so what I'm going to do now is uh, we're at the, our team, two of our team members are heading up, they're tag teaming. Uh, in this case, two of our research scientists, Chase, Chasey Atkinson and Orion San Angelo uh, at the CLEAR conference, the Coalition of Law Enforcement and Retail, uh, combined with FLIPRU, which is the Florida Property Recovery Unit. In other words, all the property crime investigators from all the 67 sheriff's offices and all the police departments throughout the state of Florida. So you're looking at between five and 600 law enforcement and retailers there. Um, we've got a, a, a donated booths area. Um, we're, we're great partners with CLEAR and FLIPRU and, and those teams uh, and vice versa. In fact, we had a lot of the clear board of their their board at uh, LPRC Impact that we just had in 2022 in Gainesville, they had a meeting in conjunction with uh, Impact so they could all participate in Impact. So, uh, you know, that's the way it's got to work, uh, working to support the Food Marketing Institute, FMI, working to support RELA, Retail Industry Leaders Association, and, and uh, NACS and NACDS, the chain drug stores and things. So, um, Stay tuned for all that. So let me, with no further ado, um, go turn it over to Tony D'Onofrio. Tony, if you would, take it away. Thank you, Reed. Let me start this week with a couple more forecasts of what will happen this holiday season for the USA retail industry. Uh, the four key findings from the latest Deloitte forecast include, uh, number one, the consumers will make uh, celebrating a priority. Household finances may be the weakest level in a dedicated, but spending stays steady as consumers cut non-essentials to give, gift, and socialize. Number two, low income uh, regaining holiday cheer. After pulling back last year, low income shoppers are feeling more confident and plan to spend 25% more this year. Number three, inflation shrinks the shopping window. Given the economic environment, consumers plan to buy fewer gifts, reducing the shopping durations to 5.8 weeks versus 6.4 weeks. And number four, shoppers are off to an early start. Inflation and stockout concerns prompt shoppers to get out of a jump on the holiday shopping season with 23% of budgets already spent by the end of October, that's amazing. That is amazing. 23% of the budget spent already by the end of October. Other industry, uh, other interesting findings in the Deloitte uh, forecast, in terms of, of the holiday spending season, 37% report their financial outlook as worse when compared to last year. 74% said they will spend more or the same on the holidays than last year, and 73% expect higher prices this year due to inflation. Roughly four, in four, roughly four in 10 shoppers are looking to buy sustainable holiday gifts. 32% plan to buy resale items as a way to offset rising prices. 49% plan to shop uh, on key shopping days with Black Friday leading at 29% and uh, Cyber Monday also leading at 
30%. Those are the two most popular holidays. Shopping online takes 63% share on par with the last two years. In-store shopping continues to rebound, growing from 28% in 2020 to 35% in 2022. Online retailers and mass merchants are the preferred holiday destinations and 34% plan to use social media as part of their holiday uh, journey. So those are some really interesting stats in terms of how this holiday season is shaping up. Looking at the online version of this, so switching to more detail, what is expected within the uh, retail sales online, let me summarize from Digital Commerce 360 their projections. As they stated, online retailers will have a tough go uh, this holiday season trying to convince shoppers who are contending with inflation and recession fears not to skimp on their gift list. In 2022, U.S. consumer digital spending in November, December will grow a modest 6.1% year-on-year that's what Digital Commerce 360 projects. <clears throat> Digital Commerce 360 also projects that revenues will reach just over 224 billion during the holiday season this year, up from 211 billion the same two, uh, two months in 2021. That means online sales growth will be in the single digit range for the first time dating back to pre-2015. Uh, the first year uh, for which uh, uh, digital commerce uh, D60 data started being available. That's a drop off from 2021% online sales increase, which was already less than uh, a quarter of the 40.8% surge in online seasonal sales during the COVID-19 fueled 2020. Retail sales through all channels, including physical stores, are likely to rise 4% for the season, digital commerce uh, estimates. Shoppers will spend $916 billion, just over that. Overall, with online and offline sales combined, up from $881 billion. That growth will also be a significant slowdown from 21, when total retail sales grew 13.4%. But it's still higher than the medium, which is 3.2% uh, in the five years before the pandemic. As Digital Commerce 360 summarized, inflation will magnify consumer price consciousness and leave many online shoppers less willing to spend as much on holiday gifts as in the past. Shoppers expect deeper discounts and they will rely on more comparison shopping and price matching. So interesting that this is going to be... Uh, a challenging holiday season based on the recession and inflation fears and what's happening online. And finally this week, let me summarize a inter very interesting blog that I read this week from uh, a company in the UK called Floyd, uh, and they list five terrifying retail trends, and they published it actually on Halloween, uh, which was uh, this week. Uh, the number one uh, terrifying uh, trend that they see is that um, shrink, uh, it's the $100 billion boogeyman. 
Uh, the menacing blob of retail shrink continues to grow and grow, threatening not just profits, but future investment, and even at the very nature of the way we shop. Theft, organized crime, and inefficiencies are, are painting previously pristine white balance sheets an unfortunate shade of red. But don't take, uh, don't just take their word at it. Here, um, the National Federation, again, was projecting nearly a, a $100 billion in retail shrink, and actually the actual number was 94 from previous podcasts. The number two terrifying trend that Floyd found is afraid of the dark. A worldwide energy crisis doesn't bode well for retailers to stay connected. In the UK, the rumor mill has been hitting a midwinter blackout for weeks, while in North America, retailers face the ominous threat of further rise in energy costs. Could your store estate cope without the power or missing Wi-Fi? What would happen if the lights went out? This is actually a major problem in Europe, um, a bigger problem than the US. And Floyd, I should have said at the beginning, is a UK-based company. The number three terrifying trend, the cost of living crisis. Uh, the undead have it, have it difficult, but only the living have to cope with today's horrifying cost of living. In the U.S., Canada, and U.K., inflation hit a 40-year high. North American consumers are struggling with rising interest rates and soaring healthcare costs, while European mortgage rates and energy bills only ever seem to creep up. Globally, retailers face, face a devilishly difficult choice this fall pass additional costs on the consumer by raising prices or freeze prices and suffer lower profits. And don't forget the looming threat of reputational damage to it as, um, as some of the news that's been going on around the world implies. Number four, labor shortages. Normal Halloweens see bodies everywhere, but retailers suffering from a shortage of souls willing to enable to take and available to staff shop and other industry positions. Last month, the British retail consortium suggested UK, UK retailers have 100,000 positions vacant, while figures revealed US retail itself uh, is suffering an acute labor shortage and it has a high quick rate of around 4% over the summer. Canadian retailers are also struggling to uh, fill retail roles. Can retail operation cope with a skeleton staff. And the number five trend, dwindling loyalty. Abundant choices and multi-channel competition means customers are less likely to remain loyal to brands unless they are given additional reason to stay faithful. Personalization, a sharper brand purpose and an improved customer experience can stop the churn, but many retailers um, live in fear that a monolithic system can cope with the additional uh, pressure that is coming on branding. And I fully agree with these five trends. These are something that we need to keep in mind and we will keep speaking to um, on this uh, podcast going forward. So with that, let me turn it over to Tom. Well, thank you, Tony, and thank you, Reed. Uh, another exciting episode of Lost Prevention Research's Crime Science and the weekly edition. Lots going on today in the world. So this week, the Fed will uh, make their announcement, the anticipation of a rate hike of probably three quarters of a percent, potentially a per one full percent. 
We'll see how that affects the market and retail in general. Um, wanted to just kind of touch base on the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband in San Francisco in her home. This sparked, you know, a resurgence of feds, both the FBI and Homeland Security and a couple other agencies um, warning that domestic violent extremists pose a heightened risk in 2022 around the midterm elections. We've been speaking about this regularly about the fusion net and in the event that there is civil unrest around the midterm elections, we will activate the fusion net. We're also paying close attention to this. This is a tough one because there has been, as we talked about uh, previously on the podcast here, there have been just an un, um, an unattainable amount of threats of violence through social media and other um, intelligence platforms. Uh, Telegram uh, is one. Uh, Twitter is another of where there are a heightened sense of threats. It's very hard to determine what is an actual threat, a credible threat, and just an angry rant. So this creates quite a bit of noise around uh, how you manage these threats. And obviously, we know that January 6th, um, the the capital insurgency happened. So there is definitely today a much more um, closer eye looked at some of these things, but it's very hard to really stay on top of it. The Department of Homeland Security, you know, regularly shares information regarding heightened threats and threat environment with federal, state, and local law enforcement um, officials to ensure that the safety and security of all communities across the country and that was a quote from uh, DHS. However, this is this is one of those ones where there's just a tremendous amount. So stay tuned. We'll certainly uh, be continuing to watch this here uh, and make sure that uh, if there is, in fact, uh, elevated civil unrest, that we will activate the fusion net. Uh, switching gears a little bit, the FBI issued a warning about people using rideshare services to abduct, abduct minors. Um, this is a public service announcement. The FBI said that there were, while it's rare, there we're being notified of a, a larger or an increase of these events. It warns the public and rideshare companies of criminal actors leveraging rideshare vehicles to abduct minors due to the lower likelihood of detection and ease of, you know, um, ease of facilitation. So this is something that we've talked about before where, you know, when most of, I think if you're, if you're older than 30, you probably remember never getting into a stranger's car. Uh, this was actually something I spoke about many years ago, but the risk uh, plateau changing. And now it's commonplace to get into a stranger's car. And the app gives you this kind of false sense of security, if you will. Uh, I use ride shares literally every day. Um, I travel quite a bit, so uh, there it is uncommon to be in an Uber or Lyft several times a week, and even internationally using some of the other ones. So I think that uh, this is just something to be aware of. I think it, it is rare based on the reports, but it's just something that as we continue to evolve with technology, there will be more information coming out about this. Uh, this kind of stems from several instances where back in February of 2021 in the Colorado area. So this is not necessarily something that is rampant. And then there was another case in April um, in Dallas. So 
uh, we we often talk about here the the bad actors or the the do take advantage of technology. This is another one of those things, just to be aware of. Uh, by no means is it is it a suggestion to not use rideshare apps. It's just a suggestion to educate people on validating license plates, making sure you're getting in the right car, making sure that if your children are using it, that there's some form of communication with them when they are using rideshare. So definitely something. Uh, to stay on top of. And then my last FBI warning today uh, will be related to ransomware. There's a ransomware group tar- uh, targeting poorly protected VPN servers. So when we talk about VPNs and the use of VPNs, you know what, what I often say is if it's free, it's probably not the best service to use. It could be better than anything, but um, you want to make sure that if you're using a VPN service that you have multi-factor authentication turned on um, and that if it is a free service, that that's an, an option. Uh, the FBI is just basically continuing to educate folks, which is great. And this is one of those educational pieces that came up, not suggesting that, again, you need to run away from VPNs. VPNs are a very important factor for all of us to keep safe. Your company VPN generally is definitely going to be the safest, but as we, we've talked about before, it should be used for company business only. I think all of those things are things that we want to continue to talk about um, as these FBI warnings come up. Education awareness is the key to success with cybersecurity. So I think when very much like all the things we talk about here with physical security um, <clears throat> Uh, and impressions of control, education awareness really, really does push and help the cybersecurity industry. So you'll continue to hear me talk about those things. I want to just switch gears a little bit, just a little bit, bit for zero COVID. Um, uh, China is kind of changing direction a little. They'll still pursue their zero COVID policies for locking down factories and apartment complexes, even whole cities in response to any number of cases. Um, so we're, we're, we're hearing them uh, very, very vocally talk about what they're doing. Foxconn, you may have, if you if you read the, the the national news, had a story about Foxconn, which was one of the companies that made iPhones in China, how people were fleeing the factory before it got locked down. Uh, um, October 27th, uh, there was a lockdown at Disney in Shanghai, and um, that but basically what, what occurred, and this is the second time, you're locked into Disney. You have to take three tests on three separate days in order to leave. So the zero COVID policy continues in China. What does that mean for all of us? Well, um, a lot of components, still more than 70% of electronic components are made in China. So that could um, lead to supply chain disruptions in the future. One of the things here is that we are in this quasi chip overage now. We had a chip shortage. Now we're catching up. So I'm not sure that will be the the challenge, but production in general could be, um, you know, challenged uh, in the next, you know, six to to eight months. I think we've kind of gotten past some of these supply chain disruptions, but I'm not sure that we'll ever fully get away from that. Just something to be aware of and on top of. And Excuse me. I think the the last thing is you, there. There was another report around hacking. A new report shows that hackers are selling um, about five hundred and seventy corporate networks worldwide. Um, in information, it accumulates to um, quite a bit of information, 
they're they're basically going out and these are all the corporate networks in and they're trying to sell them in a lump sum for four million dollars. What does that mean? Um, in in some cases, this is a different way of approaching this. We have network access to all these. Buy it all and do what you will with it. Um, this is another way hackers are just trying to monetize their business minded people. So from ransomware to the way they're um, using or utilizing this information will continue to evolve as we continue to evolve with it. So I think that that's definitely something we'll continue to look at these groups. And, and once some information becomes available, we'll, we'll share specifically what it is. Um, and I think that we'll continue to continue to look at these ransomware and cyber instances to try to get information out to the podcast listeners about specifically what it's impacting. Um, and my kind of last but certainly not least comment here is we continue to see outages with major services. Instagram had an outage. Um, WhatsApp teams had an outage out uh, in the European market. Um, just keep that in mind as we become more and more reliant on technology. We sometimes forget some of those basic things that we need in business. And what do I mean by that? Well, don't go on are the days where we have um, everybody's phone numbers memorized. Go on are the days in most cases where we have a handwritten book of phone numbers. I would recommend that if you're in a, a SOC or in a, in, 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 a, in, in a virtual SOC environment that we think through that notebook or binder mentality because I was at a, a conference, a security intelligence conference in Los Angeles, and we were discussing all of these stop gaps for when technology goes down. And a very large corporation said, well, we use Slack and Teams. And there was one event where Slack and Teams was down, and we had to find the binder and realize that it wasn't updated. So this is just a word uh, to a reminder of don't forget uh, the old way of communication. Write down phone numbers somewhere. Write down contact information and do your best to stay on top of it. And I would not rely on that beautiful device that we all carry as 100% foolproof because we are seeing major, major um, large corporations having massive outages, which should be expected. But if that's your only means of communication, uh, your only means of connecting with that coworker, it does pose a significant challenge if you have an event. With all of the uncertainty globally, I would suggest strongly that you relook at the way communication is being done today. And if you are reliant on a platform, to make sure that you have multiple backup ma metrics. Um, I often hear, well, we'll text message if we can't. Well, there's been times where that goes out as well. And then sometimes it's a trusty landline. But just a, a reminder, it was at that conference, I thought it was a, a good reminder with all of the recent events of major outages for Microsoft, Google, uh, social media platforms. Why did I mention social media platform? Because believe it or not, that sometimes is a good backup because they are in most cases, and most of them have end-to-end -end encryption messaging. So Facebook, for instance, has end-to-end -end encryption messaging. The challenge with Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram is they're the same organization. So not definite, but there's a likelihood if one goes down, they could all go down. So just a kind of just a reminder there that if you don't have that down, maybe when you're listening to this, you grab your notebook and you write down some key phone numbers because we're also very different than we were before from a standpoint of our brains have been trained that you don't need to remember phone numbers because they'll be in that phone that's in your hand. And with that, I will turn it back over to Tony and Reed. 
All right. Well, thanks so much for all that information, Tom. Uh, and congratulations again to Tom Meehan for his uh, well-deserved promotion to president of Control Tech. Huge move. Uh, we're all proud of you. And uh, we're looking for greater and greater things out of uh, Control Tech and what you're doing to support the, the industry and, and LPRC um, in so many different ways. And congratulations, Tony, for your son's pending marriage, uh, those nuptials. So I know that's a proud moment for you and, and your family. Uh, and I want to thank Diego for all his production and him, his patience and him trying to herd cats with uh, myself and Tony and Tom racing all over the, the, the U.S. and sometimes the globe um, and a hundred other things. So getting this to to sit down and do this together sometimes or separately. So thanks everybody for listening. Always reach out to us, lpresearch.org uh, or operations at lpresearch.org. Uh, we're here to support you. And uh, from Gainesville signing off, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council. 